good evening and welcome to horror i'm lee i'm chris and i am adam <laughs> someone can you tell ted has had a birthday <laughs> oh what worries we have today as we look into the skies oh come on is it <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners adam had saved a balloon from his son's second birthday and had just inhaled mm-hmm. it all slightly off camera yeah happy birthday well, ted yeah, yeah thank you thank too. you yes well he uh he, he had a good day and uh i've got helium so was, was it mostly you breathing in helium? <laughs> no, no, it was it was mostly him running around and uh, just laughing like a well deranged person, frankly. Um, oh, so, but it, no, I think I think he had a good one. The thing is, is that we we were considering because we've got like we've got like half a canister of helium sat here, uh, so we were considering selling it off to the Niox crowd, but we just didn't want them coming back and had. Do you know what? I don't think that this laughing gas yourself be was rowing. <laughs> so, fortunately, it seems to be wearing off. Otherwise, that would be an interesting Zoom meeting on Monday with work. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, this evening, we are covering the movie Stoker, um, which I mentioned previously. I was a little bit unsure as to whether or not this really counted as horror but i'm sure we can get into that when we uh discuss the movie Mm -hmm. um yeah chris i know it's been a busy week for you also have you watched anything horror if not don't feel pressured no unfortunately not this week it's been a a week of playing teacher again and yeah a lot of work it seems nice i think too many people didn't realize the lockdown is not meant to be used just yet and they've all gone back already yeah, <laughs> I think it's as soon as they said we're thinking about phasing, and everyone went back to work. Mm, that's it. Yeah, which yeah, nutters. I think it was. The, I saw a very, very pertinent uh, thing go up online, which was just because you're bored of it doesn't mean the virus has gone away. <laughs> yeah, <So. laughs> yeah the, the, the virus will last longer than the novelty of working at home. I think. I yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, Adam, you also have obviously had a busy week with uh, Ted's birthday and everything, mm-hmm. but have you had the opportunity to catch up on anything? I have watched Hour of the Wolf, which is Ingmar Bergman's only horror film. Okay. And my fucking God, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, really good, but, I, and, but also it's one of those things where I watched it and then was like, hmm. So, exactly when did the guy who did The Lighthouse watch this? Oh, really? Because a, there's a lot of... Basically, I mean, obviously, it's, it's black and white. It's set on a remote island, so immediately it follows in those sort of terms. But, but wait, is, is, some... it, is it recent? No, no, it's 1968, oh, okay. I think. I didn't know if they were doing black and white, you know. Yeah, but no, Ingmar Bergman's, I think pretty much, certainly anything I've ever seen of his has been black and white, because he also did um, The Rite of Spring, which is just fucking horrendous. Like, not bad, but just like, whoa, that's uh, that's, that's, that's heavy going. (laughs) Uh, Makes Last House on on the Left look like fucking noddy. 
Um, <laughs> and um, uh, but also uh, he did the Seventh Seal, which is where you get the death playing chess with the soldier yes. uh, imagery from, uh, which obviously relates to Bill and Ted's bogus journey. So that's Claire's inroad on that one. Nice. And um, the uh, but uh, and it's uh, Max von Sydow, which is why I was sort of like thinking, oh, I've I've been meaning to check it out for a while, and then obviously died recently, and it was I finally managed to track down like a copy, um, like at a reasonable price. Um, and um, but yeah, it basically he's an artist who is uh, well probably definitely going mad. And mm-hmm. him and his wife are sort of on this remote island where they're meant to get get away from everything. Um, and the sort of fundamental question of it is, if you're, if there's the thing of if you be, if you're in love with someone, you're in tune with someone. And so the wife begins to wonder, does she then share his madness? And okay. there's a group of characters involved in it who are like the sort of local posh pricks who all just have dinner parties all the time and they are just a, a gaggle of annoying fucks. <laughs> um, but they may well be products of his deranged mind mm. and therefore products. And so if she sees them as well, is that her sinking into his madness and everything? And so it has that sort of a kind of thematic feeling with the lighthouse where a lot of it gets, and, and certainly towards the end, it develops that really, sort of gothic hallucinatory sort of feeling to it. And like the final real where kind of all these bizarre sort of characters who've been there as sort of like, they're obviously sort of dodgy, horrible people if they're real, Hmm. um, then suddenly become sort of, they start showing monstrous natures, including, including one woman who is an old woman who as soon as she takes her hat off, her face falls off. And she um, uh, juggles her eyeballs into a set of um, uh, wine glasses. And, yeah, it's, re- it's really strange, really deep, but, yeah, really, really good. And like I say, anyone who dug the lighthouse, definitely check it out. Because I d- it's, not that they, it's not the lighthouse as a copy of it, but they are very sort of similar in nature, I think. So it's you Hour get a, of the Wolf. Hour of the Wolf, yeah. Which relates to um, the... It's the time of night where uh, it, he, he explains it in it that is the, the period in the night where most people die if they're going to die in their sleep and things like that. Okay. And But yeah, it's... Um, like I say, it's, it's... Again, it's like the lighthouse is a bit of a slow burner, but yeah, it's just done so well. And, you know, again, it's one of those things where I feel I should have watched more Bergman and definitely I'm glad that I've watched this one because it's just, yeah, really, really good. Excellent. We had, we've had uh, contact from uh, a few listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Watson. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, he, uh, well, it was a weird one. He sort of recommended Terrifier, um, but he basically recommended Terrifier on the basis of watch it for the villain for it because he's good and the gore effects are good, but the film itself, I believe he described it as a bit shit. So, <laughs> <it's>, 
<laughs> it's that sort of classic. But then I did, I did say to him, well, maybe we'll, we'd have to watch it because I think we do need to prove to Chris that, you know, it's not, uh, not every horror film is a, is a, is a nugget of gold. <laughs> and you do, you do have to plough through an awful lot of cack yes. to get to the good stuff. Um, but yeah, so he mentioned that. And then speaking of people, uh, Adam Laws. Hi, Adam. Hi, Adam. Um, Adam. Uh, definitely, definitely taking the piss with this one, I think. He, he mentioned a film called The End, which has turned up on Netflix. Um, and, uh, well, I'll read the description for you. An English vampire in Kuwait helps a ring of thieves commit heists out of an auto repair shop <laughs> as a team of police officers pursues them. Um, now, I'll warn you, it's on the thing on Netflix. It has, uh, you know, like they have the little symbols, like they have little sort of tag words or whatever like that. Mm. One of the ones that comes up on that is teen. Um, and... Uh, I look. I, I watched the trailer, and the trailer basically seemed to be like some ungodly cross between Twilight and Gone in sixty seconds. Oh God! Um, hey, I love Gone in sixty seconds. I know you like, but then the following bit of footage that I saw of that was one of the sort of Bollywood to camera style musical numbers than it that was one of the most hateful pieces of music i've ever heard in my life it was just sort of like really sort of jolly sort of oh christ um and and the vampire is like in broad daylight with the rest of the car thieves sort of like dancing in uh around like near the beach um the vampires are all sort of made up a bit like uh, Johnny Depp in uh, Dark Shadows. A lot of like, you know, painted on yeah, hollow cheekbones and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so it seems, and like I say, the trailer I think has gone, the, the trailer definitely does not feature any of the soundtrack music. So they'll reel you in with this possibility mm-hmm. that it's like some sort of actioner, possibly. Wait, did you say Adam, Adam recommended this? Adam recommended this, but he was, I mean, obviously it was a message, but he was laughing throughout. <laughs> so, you know, and he said, and he did say, I'm sure that the Bollywood style uh, uh, song and dance routines would go down a bomb, uh, go down a tree. So, nice. um, yes, I think this was, I think this was more of a mockery than anything else. <laughs> um, checking that trailer out though, because that sounds like, and like, there's enough entertainment in the trailer. You don't need to go any further. Oh, definitely, because I mean, like I say, the trailer has sort of the trailer looks like almost two different films. It looks like a cheap knockoff of Twilight versus a reasonably sort of adequate re- redoing of Gone in sixty seconds. It's lots of lots of like lots of big motors doing skids and stuff like that. But you know. Um, I'm assuming that they're not quite on the same budgetary level. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and the vampire stuff looks a bit sort of like, you know, what was it, Vampire the Gathering? You know, the, the old role play. Yeah, lo- mm. lots, of, lots, of, lots of tits in lace <laughs> pretending that they're vampires. So, yeah. Um, but like I say, if you check the trailer out, let it roll onto the next video where it's one of the musical numbers. And Christ almighty, it's horrific. So... 
Yeah, yeah. That out. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for your suggestions. <laughs> I just realised, I said to you off air that I hadn't watched anything, and I realised that that was a bold-faced lie. I did <gasps> um, last Monday with a hangover. So, you do not, you show no respect, sir. I know, I know. Um, so, last Sunday, I finally got round to watching Audition about a decade late for everybody else. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's a messed up film. That is fucked up, that film. Is that, that's why Adam got so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, what is coming? Uh, I think it's one of those, I think the problem is because I missed it for so many years and because the final scene is pretty much the cover that they've got up on uh, the release that they're showing on there. Yeah. Kind of bugger it. If I had no idea what was coming, it would have been a very different film. But I, obviously I was well aware of, I think that where it goes much in the common zeitgeist now. So I picked up on it. Um, but yeah, still really enjoyed it. It's uh, the comedy and stuff was quite good in it. And it was horrific. Can I can I just say because I take it, Chris, you've no awareness of no. this film. Can I posit it as one we do? Yes. Mm. You know because I think I would love to hear Chris's take on it, mm. and it's an excuse for me to rewatch it because <laughs> I've I've watched it for probably yeah, like you say, for probably about ten years. And that and, means uh, I can make some notes because I will not be rewatching it. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh, I've not watched this film either because I only saw it three weeks ago. So I'm hoping to bumble through. Well, um, that's for that, yeah, but that's fair enough. You've seen it, you know. <laughs> so. and that was my second watching as well, so it's not too bad. Um, well, if we if we cover Hour of the Wolf in like two weeks' time, I probably wouldn't w- rewatch it no. in that time. Yeah, I probably would because it's a damn good excuse to do so. <laughs> but I wouldn't feel you wouldn't need it to. necessary. Yeah. Um, and on the subject of trailers, I did also watch the trailer for another absolutely batshit movie. That I, I am going to watch it at some point when I get hold of a copy. Um, but somebody told me about the trailer for Ouija Shark. Um, Is that like as in Ouija board? Yes. Yeah, right, uh, okay. So some teenage girls find a Ouija board that has washed up on the beach. Um, they play with it. They summon a giant shark that flies and it's a ghost um and it kills everybody on the camping trip wow end of story uh it, it chris's face is confused and well used all at the same time <laughs> i think that's how i look watching the screen there's a there's a guy uh, there's a guy I've been watching on YouTube. Claire introduced me to called Elvis the Alien, who does good, basically very good reviews of of generally really cheap bad movies. Uh, but he uh, he did cover the uh, Velocipaster. Oh nice. Uh, the the other day, and we, yeah, because I said to, well, I said to Claire, well, we'll definitely watch that because I know Lee said it's like absolutely, and yeah, his verdict was this film is really you know. It's poor, but it's brilliant. I love it yeah. because it's so just out there and, <laughs> it is. and couldn't give like, a shit. Yeah. Another one I'm going to reposit again that I still think everybody should see. Um, yeah, is... Uh, what was it called? Was it Dude Bro Party Massacre 3? I'm still <laughs> in that. I've watched that three times now. 
Fair. And I have no excuse. And I don't try <laughs> to have one. It's just mental and stupid and intentionally so. Uh, yeah, and it's fantastic. So. Oh, and a bit of horror news, or mm. sort of horror news, I don't know. Um, Apparently, who is, who's the not, who's not, who's the not funny Ryan? There's, there's, there's Deadpool and there's the other one. Oh, Ryan. Who's famous. Ryan Gosling, yeah. Mm. Uh, he's doing The Wolfman. Apparently they're doing a new Wolfman film with him. Oh, interesting. could pull that off. I reckon it'd be good, definitely. Um, and oh, also they're keeping... Um, as far as I'm aware, they're keeping Tom Cruise's stack-heeled ass away from it as much as they can. That's a good idea. Yeah, that's yeah. a selling point. <laughs> the, the only bad thing about the Mummy film. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well, that's good to hear. Mm. So, so, so is, is it actually, like, it's a remake? Is it the same story? Not entirely sure, because, I mean, obviously, because, I mean, the, the Benicio... Del Toro one from a few years back was pretty close to the Lon Chaney Jr. one, wasn't mm, it? Yes. Um, so I don't know whether they're going to sort of go down the same route. I mean, at the moment, it could well be the case, but I think just at the moment Hollywood sort of eating itself. It's like how many reboots can you do of Spider Man? Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like jewelry service. We'll all have to be Spider Man before the decades out. <laughs> I wouldn't hate that. I, 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 I think I'd be a shit Spider Man, but it'd be great when people. Go, Do you remember the 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 fat the fat Essex Spider Man? Be... You would remember that. To be fair, mm. you definitely remember that. After the fight, where's Doctor Octopus in fucking? Pipe cleaner arms. <laughs> He'd do it. Of course he would. Um, so, on to this evening's main movie. So, I, mm. I know this is slightly less full-on horror, but I thought you would both really enjoy that. Enjoy this mm. So, that was why I went for it. So, to find out if I was totally wrong or not... Um, Let's start with Adam for a change, as Adam hadn't seen this one either. Adam, what did you make of it? I think, sorry, I think NASA might be taking up all of the bandwidth. All my bandwidth. Why are they stealing your bandwidth? Because, well, I figured the uh, they've just launched and they've nicked all the. Uh, they probably have all my internet. Yeah, I mean, it's, no. it's ridiculous the way these people carry on you know it's all right you you're back now it's like uh, but yeah well not only that but also if, what we're going to say now is we're going to say well you spell astronaut with two s's there you go and flick the v's <laughs> for the benefit of the tape um stealing chris's bandwidth it's not fair yeah uh, it's terrible. you tell them we're being buzzed by a helicopter at the moment so i'm gonna mm. Hold a beer up. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We're we're indoors, dear. Yeah, go on, jog on. <laughs> so, so but, um, before NASA and the police started interfering <laughs> with our uh, evening's proceedings, Adam, what did NASA, you make of Stoker? I really enjoyed it. NASA yeah, and the Popo. Um, yeah, it was. Um, I'll tell you what. It was the the two things that really stood out for me. One 
and, and sort of reading about it afterwards, this was pretty much deliberate. One, very Hitchcock. Yes. It has that sort of, and apparently, um, oh, I can't remember which bloody one it was now. Uh, Sense of Doubt, I think, is the, the film. Yeah. That, um, basically, the director said that that was kind of what his um, uh, sort of touchstone was for the, for the movie. Mm. Um, but also just how brilliantly, you know, shot it was. There are certain bits yeah. in it. I've got to say, I'm, I'm saying it right now, the hair where brushing uh, Nicole Kidman, Kidman's hair yeah. transitioned into the like long grass. Mm-hmm. And, and just there's so many sort of touches in it that are yeah. like, it's, it's weird because it's almost to the point where you're like, because the plot is, you know, it's, it's, it's fairly sh- straightforward is the wrong word because obviously there is a mystery at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. But it's very... You know, in essence, it's a very simple story. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking because, like, you've captured pretty much what I was thinking overall. I had the sense that it was a relatively small in scope story, mm. but somehow the way it unfolds is is very compelling, and it appears to have more to the story than than you sort of realised by the end. Mm, definitely, it's. So, it's it's the it's the the visual side of it really mm. elevates. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, the style it's, is it's, amazing. Yeah, it really, really is, and I think that, and to me, that's that's the proper art of filmmaking, really. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the same thing as you can watch something, and it's, you know, you you can watch something where, you know, literally nothing happens if it's shot well enough or shot inventively enough and everything and this actually has an intriguing plot going on yeah and you you still sort of like but you've added that so it does feel that there is more you you know there there is more thought and backstory going on within some of those Mm. flourishes i suppose it's a glimpse into a very critical moment of girl's awakening into mm. her adult life and and i suppose the time that it passes it's only it's like a few days mm. yeah yeah a lot happens and like you say it's mm. the, the, the way that it all plays out it kind of pivots yeah on him turning up kind of when he does as you say because of her age and everything it all plays yeah yeah a, a really well constructed um yeah, as you say, very short period of time, really. Um, but I don't know why this film wasn't more. I mean, it's got a great IMDb rating, um, mm. but it's funny. Like, I, I really liked it when I got to the end. There's a few points where I wasn't sure if I was going to end up thinking I loved or, or really liked the story as much as the whole style, and especially the, the style of the cinematography with the sounds, fantastic. Yeah, the sound yeah. stuff in it as well. I think that was yeah. that grabbed me that I thought, yeah, I think Adam would really like this. Um, well, actually, for me, it was it was very much a case of I can finally put a film to a soundtrack because the sound soundtrack is mm. Clint Mansell, who I am obsessed with, and mm. so I I had the soundtrack and it was like, right, I, I'll oh, definitely see the film 
when it comes out and never got round to it. And in fact, I think it's probably at home sat on my skybox um, waiting to be viewed, even though, you know, it's long, long abandoned now, but I think it was on there waiting because it had turned up on film four or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but, uh, Clint Mansell did the, um, amongst other things, did the soundtrack for Requiem for a Dream, Chris. Yeah, it was, uh, so, I was thinking it, yeah. it was giving me some, uh, resemblances throughout. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, but apparently Philip Glass was meant to do the soundtrack and then, uh, they, uh, they then replaced him with Clint Mansell, but he did the he did the piano bit, you know the um, mm. the humpy piano moments. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, all the. It's funny. Well, I, I loved I loved that scene, but as it was playing out, it was like I don't totally love it because it's a bit creepy. But actually, yeah. it's so well done. It's just amazing to watch. And I, well, love, I think I think like that. It's like, no, yeah, the film's got that with, mm. like, you get drawn into their performances. Yeah. And then when you kind of step away and look Realise what's actually happening. You're like, yeah. And especially because, obviously, you spend most of the film not knowing. You know something's up with him. Yeah. Well, and her, though, because you don't really know what her story is going to turn out to be. Like, is she a completely innocent being played by almost everybody really because her mum is kind of weird her uncle's weird you don't learn enough about the cleaner or her aunt, her great aunt to know exactly oh auntie Jin, yes yeah you, so you, although the fact like, she's she uh, fact her name's auntie Jin makes me assume she's an alcoholic <laughs> yeah. but that's it it's like is, is she actually going to be doing something bad at some point or like even though her intention appeared to be you know genuine it's just mm. I, yeah I thought yeah, it left me guessing how is it going to turn out. And I, I, I loved the way it ended. I, I didn't actually know. It, I wasn't sure, and I guess I don't know if anyone was, um, what her choice would be. Because mm. yeah. I think it's, it's basically I did see someone refer to it as the story of a psychopath's self-realisation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with regard to her rather than with Uncle Charlie. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. He I mean, ob- obviously, if, I was going to say, if people are listening who haven't seen the film, watch the film because mm. I think I don't think we're going to be able to discuss it further necessarily without giving absolutely. a lot of shit away. Yeah. And so, it, although, it doesn't, is, although it doesn't hinge on that, reveal like i think it's no. a, a great film even if you were to know it was coming it'd still be it, it just it meant yeah. i really liked that as a conclusion yeah i suppose i was trying to i was thinking how can it end in a way that i would like the most and, and that probably was it i think that's that's definitely that's definitely something about it is that it's um i think it's one of those films where you can feel that it works it seems psychologically right mm. in so much as as you watch it, you, you're never, you don't really, well, certainly not the, by the ending. You're not really that, you're never in that sort of position. Well, why are they doing that? Or, oh, well, why would you do, you know, every, everything feels, really? you know, uh, well, uh, a, it feels like it would, it's a possible reaction. Mm. 
That's mm. probably the best way of putting it. it nothing it, feels like too weird or too. That's it. But it did. It did uh, walk the line. It balanced mm. well because certainly at points they're trying. They're trying to make it look real, but it's um, it's the idea. I mean, how would it actually be if your uncle was um like that, and mm. you also had, you know. A semblance of it, and it it just hadn't matured yet. So, mm-hmm. it I mean, like, be pretty weird. It goes back to that thing of it being hereditary as well. The fact that it, mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it's in the it's in her family tree. So, yeah, kind of, that's why the two of them are so alike. And he's presumably seen it all along, and mm. kind of or he's well, he's kind of known it because obviously he's been in the institution since he was a kid. So, yeah, I mean that reveal where it's like, here's all the letters I've been to, you know, I'm here in Prague. Mm. Hello from Zimbabwe. Hello from uh, Burkina Faso. Hello from Egypt and just wherever. And, and then... Ju- turns them over and sees yeah. where they've all come... Yeah, and They've all like come from that the mental institution. It's like, wow. And, it, and mm. But it's so... I think that's the other good thing is I think it's something that does you know in a lesser film or a lesser well thought out film or or even a film that sort of you know thought less of the audience Hmm. they would have had to have put the scene in there where it would have been she confronts nicole kidman or whoever and says well why would none of these letters ever given to me and then they turn them around and go like and it's like no you know that the character the character is smart enough mm. to do that whole turnaround on herself. Yeah. You know, she looks at those, then realizes that it's like, shit, what the, you know, it's a real, it's a rug pull within a couple of minutes of a big reveal mm. that doesn't actually involve any other character, which is just, you know, that's, it's a good economy of writing, but it also is a very confident. Mm you know, is confident in the audience being with the character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. knowing where, what's can, what the reaction would be and also how much that is, you know, sort of like how dramatic a turn that is. Yeah. Yeah, it's got... And I've touched on it before, but the performance is just awesome. Yeah. The whole mm. is just incredible. I've, I've not seen a lot of her films, I've got to admit, because the films that she does don't normally... Not typically... Categories. Um, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I, I was, funnily enough, I was looking at, I mean, I can honestly say there's one thing that is excellent piece of casting with Nicole Kidman, mm. in so much as, you know, Charlie turns up, and I don't know about you, I thought we're wrong. So, <laughs> you know, but, so, but obviously you cast Nicole Kidman, famously former wife of Tom Cruise, um, mm-hmm. once released a single with Robbie Williams, you know she's got poor judgment with men. So it feels right that she would go for um, yeah. Uncle Charlie, you know. But, um, but in all seriousness, I mean, she has done, she has done some really good stuff. Hmm. And I don't know if you've... Oh, obviously, there's The Others, yeah. which is great. Um, but I don't know if... Have you ever seen To Die For? No. Oh, man, that is, that is definitely worth tracking down because that is... I mean, it's, it's actually... Weirdly enough, a movie that probably got spoofed more 
in sort of like, I mean, certainly I know they've done it in Family Guy and sort of, I think possibly the Simpsons as well. And, you know, they've, they've done, but basically she plays the local, uh, she's like the local channel weather girl hmm. who, and it's kind of, I think it is based on a true story or sort of based on a true, uh, true events. Uh, basically she sort of ensnared this group of teenagers in thrall to her with the promise of sort of like seduction and friendship and everything else like that and basically got them to uh, try and kill her husband because she was fucking sick of him wow and yeah and I, I'm, it's definitely been as I say I know it's definitely been a Chris Griffin plot line in Family Guy <laughs> and it's turned up in a few other things but that genuinely and it's a great it is a really great film dead calm mm. with sam neill and billy mm. zane yeah is really worth a watch because that i mean again that's that's a psycho a, intrusion by psycho brackets on a boat so uh, you know who's billy zane billy zane is uh billy zane is like the best example of the 90s that i can think of <laughs> Where it's like every, Billy's Billy's aim was everywhere for about fourteen minutes. He's in um, Critters, isn't he? Yeah, right. Okay. He's the, yeah, it. he's, he's the, he's the douchebag. Yeah, mm. yeah. He's the he's the knob end big city boyfriend in Critters. Right. Um, but yeah, he turns up in Dead Calm. But um, yeah, so she. I mean, she. I mean, she has done a lot, done some old crap as well. But you know, there there are certainly some good ones out there. I still want to see the Killing of a Sacred Deer. Yeah, um, I've got to watch that because I really love the lobster. Um, mm. uh, she, there was the remake of the Stepford Wives, and she's also in a film called The Invasion, which is actually a Body Snatchers remake. Oh, but it's like the fourth or fifth Body Snatchers remake, and they just shaved off the word the words of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. <laughs> so I think at that point it was like, well, wow. but oh, you know, I, I mean, she, she was in the one Kubrick movie that I liked as well. Which was oh, that's why I chat, of course, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so I mean, she's she's got she's got she's got the chops, and she is a good she's she's good. So she's just yeah, like you say. But, yeah, you don't want to, You don't have to watch Days of Thunder. Oh, no, definitely uh, not. But yeah, as you said, like she did, she played a very believable, uh, you know, perhaps mixed up mother. Um, yeah. bad choices and so and that does lead or at least I, I was questioning they appear to be portraying it that it could be her fault that her daughter is the way she is but then the scenes from her using the gun and father, yeah. all of her all of her childhood you know, hunting it's like it's interesting so which came first the mother not yeah. being very affectionate like that or her being the way she is was always well, reflected think, back on the mother so that she never got the love that she wanted. See, I wonder if, if with the dad, cause I mean, obviously, mm. you know, he obviously cared for Charlie and was very, he put his element of that into something socially acceptable. Yeah. But I, some. but I wonder if he, it's almost like, um, uh, like sort of a Dexter job. Does, does he notice okay, those he tendencies some yeah. in India yeah. and try and, put them yeah into something you know depending yeah. on how you feel about hunting but in a more positive light than well in a more yeah. positive light than burying a toddler in sand 
Yes, that, that's, <laughs> you know. that's a fairly safe comparison. I also have, I do have to point out that the dad is called Richard Stoker, which mm. immediately made me sing the Ween song in my head. Mr. Richard Stoker, you're a chicken choker. So, <laughs> um, but actually there's, there's an interesting point is um, Nicole Kidman and oh, what's the guy who plays Charlie Dermot Mulroney um, never actually appear on screen, even though they're husband and wife. Which, if anything, probably adds to the sort of the distancing of that relationship. Yeah. So yeah. he's only he's only actually seen in relation to Charlie and in, in India. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than at any point, yeah. So that was another one. So Matthew Good, who played uh, Uncle Charlie, um, mm-hmm. I've not seen him in anything else. I don't believe. Mm. Oh, Watchmen. Outstanding. Yeah. He's Aussie Mandiez in Watchmen. I've not seen. Uh, have you not? Oh, I should dread to be honest. No, I think I tried, and I got about halfway. I think I got half an hour or so in. And I was like, "Yeah, it's just not for me." Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not. It's not the greatest of adaptions, I'll be fair. <coughs> but I mean, uh, but I mean, I had, I had to look him up as well, and I didn't. I didn't remember him from Watchmen, especially because the TV series has just been on, and Jeremy Irons was Adrian Vite in that, and that was spectacular so <laughs> I erased any other versions of it I think um, I was going to say as well we haven't mentioned him yet but one thing I saw in the credits that got me very excited to begin with was Wentworth Miller being the writer and, yes. and I think he was on co-producer as well but yeah and so I've only ever seen him acting in Prison Break yes and loved that I don't know if he was involved in the writing in that but I don't um, think but, yeah. he was, but but I think in, that probably was probably picked interesting... up a few, few tips yeah. from him. But apparently, what happened was is that he wrote this, um, but put it out under an assumed name. I think oh, okay. because, especially because obviously, when Prison Break, it, he would have been he would have produced the script when Prison Break was massive. Right. Um, okay. And oh, so yeah, when was this? This well, I mean, the, this film is. T- uh, 2013 but I think mm, the script okay. the script had been kicking around since sort of like the early 2000 like 2006 or something like that yeah so it would have been roughly around the time that sort of mm. like Prison Break was huge and mm. so he yeah he touted this he sort of put the script out there but he did it under an assumed name mm. so that um, it would be you know if it was any good it would get there on merit rather than oh it's the guy okay. from Prison Break yeah. Yeah. I, sus- I suspect also, I think that it was he kind of, I suppose there's also that thing where if you're putting scripts out there, people kind of assume you want to be in it. Yeah. Do you know what well, I mean? Yeah, I was, I was hoping he was going to be at first. No, I'm afraid not. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he, um, no. So I think that was the other thing as well, is that it was like, again, so it wouldn't be, oh, he's attached to it. Yeah, would get yeah. you know. Well, that's, um, so that's a very noble thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's. Um, I, I mean, bless his art. I mean, it's definitely you know it probably is the reason why it waited around the best part of sort of seven years before it got made. Mm. Um, but apparently, it was on. It was on like sort of Hollywood's. You know, they have r- doing the rounds within sort of like. Uh, production companies and everything they have lists of you know these scripts that don't that haven't been produced but everyone's mm. like 
have you read this script? It's bloody amazing. I think Seven was in a similar situation mm. for a long time. Um, and yeah, but again, it was sort of, he sort of did it purely on the merits of the script. And apparently yeah. he has got, he has got a, a sort of prequel script written called Uncle Charlie. I don't know how that works because we know. Yeah. You know, it's basically mm. going to be, you know, me, him sitting in his room learning French on the piano <laughs> and writing lying letters. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, unless there's, unless there's like a, a big or day out him that growing we missed. Up, though, it be like his... be, I mean, it could, it could, to be honest, it could be very yeah. great. You, if you'd have, if you'd have given me the one line sort of synopsis of this film, I probably wouldn't have been too sort of like yeah. ready to jump on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah. And, and obviously sort of like he ended up coming on as a producer for it, but mm. yeah, genuinely. And yeah, it's um, cause I hadn't put two and two together on that because I, I basically didn't recognize the name. And then it was only when I was like, because it was just like the scriptwriter's name came up, and I was like, oh, okay. And then it was only when I was reading it, it was like, oh, f- yeah, I, I recognise him. You know? mm. And then realised, yeah, where where I knew him from and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's sort of like quite a uh, quite an unusual path mm. uh, to get where it is. Um, mm. Also, all three, and actually, like going back to Matthew Goods mostly his stuff is sort of TV over here. Mm. He was in Downton Abbey and um, what was it? Death Comes to Pembury, Discovery of Witches, The Crown. He's sort of done the rounds in a mm. lot of, you know, posh, posho dramas over here, really. He's in The Imitation Game as well, the um, yes. uh, Enigma Code film. Now, that was a good film, as I remember. Mm. So... Oh. Bear with, but I think that uh, I think that um, yeah, he was uh, yeah. I'm sorry, that was that was my point. Uh, obviously, Nicole Kidman, Matthew Goods. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to read it so I don't make a burp myself. But Mia Wasikowska, yeah, uh, who played yeah. India, all Australian. Mm. Yeah. Ah. They're all Australian playing <laughs> Americans, and uh, and obviously um, it's directed by um, uh, Chan Wook Park, who is from South Korea. But yeah, the guy, um, yeah, so the guy plays, um, yeah, the guy plays Whip Alden Ehrenreich, yes, who was uh, Han Solo, yeah, mm. and, uh, and uh, yeah, what a prick Whip is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, um, apart from Solo, I have seen him in another film we've previously mentioned about five minutes ago, Jeremy Irons. Um, the film he did before this was a movie called Beautiful Creatures. Ah, yes. Um, which was, it wasn't meant for me. I know it wasn't meant for me about 10 minutes in, but I was like, oh, it's interesting enough. It was a, it was a, Bit of a witch take on Twilight, really. Mm. Best describe it. Um, mm-hmm. But the thing that put me off is that it's set in the deep south, and that's a very hard accent to fake without yeah. really over the top and sounding like a fog on leg on. Um, 
Yeah. Nobody really managed it, especially not Jeremy Irons, unfortunately. God bless his soul. Mm. Um, I think you get to a certain stature within acting where no one wants to tell you that accent shit. <laughs> Adam, can you do the deep south? I think I say, I think I say, go a poke home, leg home if I don't. <laughs> I don't know what the happened at the end, and that went ridiculous. <laughs> well, I just allowed to say, come around here and he's looking at me. And I didn't even understand them, but I just sit at the point where I get into what can only be described as a full blow on the monotone. Better than Jeremy Irons, I've got to say. I think you should seriously do one of those like multi accent videos <laughs> where you just go through about 20 different ones. <laughs> That's the trouble is, is that, yeah, but you have to watch it. Sometimes your Welsh can get really, <laughs> yeah, really <laughs> racist to a different continent. It can land you in hot water very quickly. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays Pitts, who is basically the other wanker, just the one mm. who's obviously a wanker, not one who mm. pretends to not be a wanker and then is a wanker, yeah. <laughs> um, is um, Havoc from the, the First Class X-Men uh, like mm. X-Men First Class and Days of Future Past so he's one of the early uh, X-Men X-Men oh, okay. sort of thing yeah um, but yeah going back to uh, uh, Mia Wasikowska I said it again twice I'm really pleased with this because I've been yeah. I, I mean I, that could come back as actually it's like no, it's actually words what? <laughs> Right. I don't understand how all those all those syllables how do all those consonants make that one sound that you've done. <laughs> um, but she is Alice in the Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, and mm. the and the follow up Alice through the Looking Glass. Um, Edith Cushing in Crimson Peak, which I only watched fairly recently. Um, like she's the uh, the the wife who's brought in. Yeah. In Crimson Peak. Um, she's in The Double, the Richard Aoardi film. Um, but uh, she's Ava, who is the annoying sister who turns up in Only Lovers Left Alive, which is Jim Jarmusch's vampire film set in Detroit, okay. um, which is is genuinely good. And basically, it's the thing of we're vampires and we've lived like this for years and years and years. And then towards the end of the film, her character Ava turns up and bollocks everything up in an evening because it's because she's just trouble. So and it's uh, but it, but it's done in that sort of way where it is just like a family, where it's like you know like a younger sibling has turned up. They're a pain in the ass. They are trouble. Brilliant. That's everything fucked. Well done. <laughs> so, um, but I now really want to see. She's in a film called Piercing, hmm. um, which is which looks to be. I really want to see it just because it looks odd. Uh, basically, this bloke sort of goes off on a business conference, supposedly, but actually he goes off with the intention of killing a prostitute. Okay. And it's like, but when you look at it, it's like he's getting advice from various different people. It's almost like he's on a mission okay. where people are instructing him, right, well, you've got to bring her there and she will scream, so you've got to find a way to incapacitate mm -hmm. her and... And it seems to be that, yeah, and, but then, and also the thing that got me is one of the things I saw of it on IMDb, like where it was sort of, you know, 
uh, viewers' reviews, mm. uh, and one of them said, and one of them ended with, and what the fuck is all that about, about the little monster that's hiding in the bathroom? And I was like, sold. <laughs> <laughs> because that already sounded quite weird. Now you tell me there's a little monster in the bathroom. Yeah. Now, now I'm, now I want to watch it. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think she, she, she is so fucking good. Mm. I mean, every, everyone's yeah. great. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a boring thing to have to say, but everyone is really good, but she is so fucking good where it's mm. like how you transition across that whole sort of how you go from the start to the finish of the film. And like you say, Chris, it's meant to be like a couple of days and everything, but it is, you know, a proper shift of someone coming into their own. Yeah. Um, and actually, the one thing that I thought was really good was there's the bit where she's just laying on the bed doing the sort of snow angels thing. Yeah. That then later on, like Charlie, as a boy, mm. when he's murdered the little brother, is doing it in the sandpit. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's it, like it says- a sort of... It's the only that's when they're happy or, or not. You know, yeah. It's like, yeah. But it's again, it's like that thing of, um, you know, like hereditary mm. sort of psychopathy, maybe, or, um, yeah. And I just think, uh, we've also got, we've also got to say, Ralph Brown, the sheriff. Oh, yes. Yes. Of course. And yeah, just immediately, you just, thank god for that because it's like he turns up and you go yes well done sir <laughs> good to, good to see you danny yes go on man how's it going and obviously alien three wayne's world two phantom Ooh. penis you, i hope you heard the cheer there the wayne's world <laughs> two. Uh, i forgot he's in the exorcist like the uh, dominion um and uh yeah just but it, uh, going through his list of stuff and there was quite a lot like a lot of British TV that he's been in reminded me there's a program that they only did one season of, and I don't know if either of you guys saw it called Cape Roth. And it was around that sort of, again, early 2000s sort of thing where it's like a high concept drama, a bit like Lost sort of thing, you know, where it's like, mm. oh, it seems to go one thing and then they rip it from under you at the end of the first season and it goes weirder and weirder. Yeah. But literally this thing, Cape Roth, I watched it and it had like a blow, like a, a sort of, what the fuck? Proper, proper ending to the first series. And they never made it anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was like, just, yeah, just left them up. It was, it was one of those things where there was a lot of plot points had come to, the, come to a head because it was basically this family moved to a very security and no i don't know nosy is not the right word but like a really contained village where everyone knows what everyone's business is yeah but Mm. in a much more intensive way than just like you know a community or neighborhood watch it was it's very much like a sort of like everyone's under surveillance everyone is being watched um Mm. and ralph brown was kind of like the villain character in that I think that was one of the main reasons I watched it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that run for, that was like about six episodes of just more and more weirdness in the village and who's this and what's going on. And then right at the end, like a proper like, just out of nowhere sort of ending with like, 
oh my god, that's just changed the complexion of this completely. Yeah, and then they just never bothered making it again. So <laughs> I did that with um, there was a TV show called Happy Town with Sam Neill. Um, did mm. exactly the same. It was really weird, and ultimately, it was a if I remember correctly, it was a serial killer who'd stopped killing for a decade or something and suddenly started doing it again and everyone in the town was under suspicion. It was almost like the town from In the Mouth of Madness. It was that sort of feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And he just played this super nice guy who you were constantly suspicious of. And that was the same. And then the very closing scene, you just went, oh my God, everything I thought I knew, I don't know. Yeah, and then they never made another season. You're like, oh. But to be fair, I'd been told going in, watch it anyway. You'll never mm. find out what happens, but watch it anyway. So I think I yeah. spent through it in a day. It's like eight hours or something. So yeah, it's worth but I mean, There is a there is a lot of stuff out there that's and actually probably to be on to be honest, there's quite a lot of stuff where that happens and it's probably a good thing. Yeah, because I saw like I say I saw that name and I was like, oh shit, I haven't thought about that for ages. That was really good. What a shame that it. And actually, probably if I'd have stuck with that for three series of it getting progressively shit. Yeah. <laughs> or like stupider or just like the explanation was like crap or whatever like that and then you're like oh that was shit wasn't it whereas it's, it's got mystique now because what, uh, yeah, yeah. It, they would have obviously done something absolutely amazing <laughs> I might have to so, that out it was yeah it was pretty good um, as I recall but uh, uh, who else was in it David um, Dave Morrissey was in it as well yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm looking it up on IMDb as we speak. Yeah, it's got a really good rating, seven. Yeah, because it was, like I say, it was it was one of those ones that just sort of came out around the same time. It was very, it was, but it was really good because it was done with a very English sensibility. It wasn't like aping an American style yeah. or anything else like that, but it was aping that sort of thing of a mystery, then a bigger mystery and so on and so forth. Um, and this was a weird one that came up when I was looking up who's in this film. Uh, the teacher, you know, in the art room. Yes. Uh, I think that's the only lesson you see, isn't it? There's, or is it maths, maybe? I don't know. I can't remember. I've gone all over the shop, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the teacher in it, Mr. Feldman. Uh, that's Harmony Corinne, um, who is the guy who wrote Kids, the Larry Clark film. Then wrote and directed Gummo, Spring Breakers, Julian Donkey Boy, and Lee's favourite film of 2009, Trash Humpers. <laughs> <laughs> if you recall Trash Humpers, Lee. <laughs> I do not recall Trash Humpers, but... All oh, right. Uh, yeah, but basically, I mean, obviously there was Gummo, which was the sort of... like That was like kids to another degree, because kids was already controversial. Mm. Uh, and then Gummo came out and was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. It's the film about this. So, so degrading. It's like, I think it's just lives. You just, maybe you've not had to experience those lives. <laughs> and yes, it is horrible. But there we go. That's kind of what, that's uh, kind of poverty for you. But, um, <laughs> but I think that, um, yeah, Trash Humpers is ridiculous because it's just a lot of people in old people masks doing. Uh, ba- basically, uh, humping trash cans, uh, laughing at kids who can't play basketball. <laughs> it's just, it's like, like just literally fucking nonsense. So it's um, interesting. I might have to look it, that up at some point. 
I'll be honest, I really don't think it's your cup of tea, Lee. It's I'll a bit. That. I think I think the best way I, Dean Dean really loved trash hoppers. All right, there we go. Um, <laughs> at, but um, also because, but we both agreed that there was an element where it's a. Uh, Lee didn't like street trash. I don't think he's going to like trash hoppers. <laughs> it's that same sort of like just a lot of degrading shit going on oh, yeah, <laughs> with, no, no, with no point. Yeah, no, maybe not for street me. Trash, street trash has a story. Trash Humpers doesn't even have that. Did it have a story? Did it have a story? It, it, yeah, it's all about booze that rots you out and Dave Mann running a, a scrapyard. Yeah. It, I think yeah. that was about it. That's, that's a deep yeah. story. It was strange. It's deeper than Trash Humpers' story. <laughs> 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 but, um... But yeah, so that was just a weird one. And um, yeah, there's a lot of people doing things with this film who weren't doing, uh, you know, weren't doing their usual thing. Mm. You've got actors mm. who are writing, you've got directors who are acting. Mm. Yeah. It's all over the shop. And yeah, it ended up yeah, it so came good. Out brilliantly, yeah. And actually, I mean, I don't know, again, like you say, Lee, I mean, I think, I think, it, I think it was critically well received, but I don't know if it was particularly like a big, big film. No, I remember, um, I remember a lot of people talking about it and it being well anticipated. And then when it came out, it just sort of disappeared. I don't know if it came yeah. around the same time as a lot of other stuff, maybe, and it just got buried because it's... Is it because a lot of people thought it was going to be something to do with Bram Stoker? Very possibly. Possibly. They just couldn't get over that. Yeah. Like, like it's the Halloween free thing all over again. It's a good film, people. I know he's not in it. But it's a good film. <laughs> I mean, that's that's actually something that um, uh, 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 Wentworth Miller said mm. is that the name Stoker was because he considered the film. He a he said that he considers the film a horror film, uh, and he said it was Stoker because he considered everyone. Mm. He said there was an element of vampirism. Mm. Which I kind of get because you've got like, okay. let's face it, Uncle Charlie feeds off of fear. Yeah, you mm. know he he in the way he intimidates Auntie Jin, he the way does he enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, he gets off on that, and and it's weird because because I, I don't even know if is is India almost like a a different mould of psychopath. Because she doesn't seem to take much in the way of Sadean pleasure. No, not so I wondered if that was to come, though, because in the final mm. scene, there appears to be something extra going on. That's true. She's hunting the sheriff she, at that point. Yeah. Because no, in the there, other scene, she enjoyed it afterwards. Yeah. Well, she mm, certainly didn't the Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten all about that, yeah. That was weird. I yeah. But, um... <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you can't watch these films these days. There's young girls jilling off in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. um, Jack off, jill off. That's, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> but, um, I mean, the things you have to explain with a two-year-old in your lap. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, because she seems to be more, it's the efficiency. Mm. You know, she stabs the she stabs the sheriff, and then it's like, well, I'll get my gun because that's going to be the quickest way to deal with this. Yeah, and and in many ways, I mean, obviously, I think she sees 
once she realises what Charlie's done, I think she sees her opportunity there, mm. but is also waiting for that opportunity to kill him. Yeah. Mm. Because of how close she was to her father. Yeah. It's definitely nothing about saving, uh, no, well, like no. saving her mother, no. especially after the way her mum had talked to her, and, and actually yeah. the way the way that she's quite willing to still sell the daughter out for a for a chunk of Charlie. Yeah, well, mm. yeah, for a hunk of hunk of burning Charlie, <laughs> and it does make you wonder, you know, is there a sort of. Uh, you know, again, I I I read it as she revenges her dad. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, also, can I just say that you know Nicole Nicole Kidman, you know what, a hundred pounds dripping wet. Yeah. In this, she's a feckless alcoholic who needs other people to brush her hair. Um, how did she move all that heavy ottoman and stuff outside to burn it without any help? You know, I'm just I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> And she sets fire to all the taxidermy stuff and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, but I think that... I th- and actually, back to the director, Chan Wook Park, um, I'd forgotten how much of his stuff I've seen. Because, mm. obviously, he did, he, he did uh, Old Boy. I think that might be the only one of these I've seen, you know? Yeah. Because he did Old Boy, and, that's, and so that's part of the Vengeance trilogy, is, what is it, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Old Boy, and Lady Vengeance. Mm. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the other two, but I've seen Old Boy. Uh, but he also did a, quite an intriguing vampire movie called Thirst. I've heard a lot about it, but I've not seen it. Yeah, it's a pretty good film. It's very, it's quite sort of, it's quite sort of strange, but it's also quite. I don't mean this in a bad way. Quirky. Okay. You know when someone says, "Oh, well, you'll you'll like me," I'm kind of quirky, and you're just like, "Oh, you." You're a bell, are you? Yeah. <laughs> but this, you know, genuinely, you know, that's quirky. It's the a good type of quirky. Yeah, yeah, the good kind of quirky. Ex- excellent quirk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also he did a film which I really like called um, I'm a Cyborg, but that's okay. About a, guy who get, about a guy who gets put in a mental institution and meets a girl who is either under the delusion that she's a cyborg or is a sidewalk. Mm. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of grey area going on in it. It's really good. And I forgot he did one of the Three Extremes films, which is back to uh, Meet Takeshi. Uh, okay. Audition. Um, yeah, that's like a... They did, it's like a three-story uh, three uh, anthology film from... And, and basically, it was showcasing Asian directors, because obviously you've got um, Meet Takeshi's... Um, Japanese and um, Chang Wu Park, South Korean. I can't remember who the other guy is, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, I mean that's that that as I recall was pretty good. Um, oddly enough, it wasn't one of the greatest. You know, I do like a portmanteau film, but it wasn't all that. You know, it wasn't spectacular. It was pretty Fruit good. Chan yeah. is the third uh, director. Who is it? Sorry, Fruit Chan. Ah, okay. I'm not even sure if I could quote the film he's done. To be honest. So. Oh. Um, but all in all, I, I mean, I think when you have sequences like going down into the cellar, yes, that has a very um, horror feeling to it. 
Yeah, um, it's it's the it's that sort of same sort of feeling like when you go to Lecter's cell in Silence of the Lambs, you know, suddenly you're in a, a dark cellar with poor lighting and cobwebs. Mm. Um, and actually, I mean, I do like the I do like the sort of um, the thing that goes on with the uh, uh, what is it with the the balls. You know where they're burying people out by those giant balls. Oh yeah, the large concrete stone balls. Yeah. Over. Um, and, um, you saying about cobwebs? I did want to bring that up. I'm assuming there was some kind of symbolism with the spider. The spider, yeah. Because we kept seeing it's, spiders. Mm, but well, you keep seeing spiders going up her leg. Closer, yeah, yeah like oh, yeah. And is that is that is that as your as that she's. Is it like the inviting evil? Charlie in, or accepting Charlie, or yeah, I'm not the pants of Charlie, you know? Because I mean, that's one thing that I like about this film is it's like, is incest weird? No, as long as she's of age. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you waited, Charlie. Yeah. Now I kind of like that. Uh, uh, not the incest part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All about the incest. That. Um, but yeah, I did like the fact that he gets her the same shoes every year until mm. she turns thir- uh, 18 and then immediately gets her something completely different for the first time in this kind of, right, you've been wearing these child's shoes for 17 years that he's bought for her every year for her birthday. And then her 18th birthday, he buys her those big red high heels. Um, well, the interesting thing, and this is purely Claire, well, now it's time for Claire to be impressed. Ooh. Because I have been watching Drag Race and I have been listening to mm-hmm. something. <laughs> and interestingly enough, um, that the, the stilettos that he gets her, like the high heels he gets her at the end, specifically they are Louboutin shoes, mm. like, which is a make of shoe. Which, and here's the thing, they have, uh, the way you know that shoe is they always have a red um, oh, soul, soul, right? Mm. And that was supposedly, um, again, this could be absolute horseshit, but supposedly it was something to do with recognizing prostitutes because they would walk home through the market, like the butcher's market, and blood mm. would get on the soles of their shoes. So that's how it was. That was the thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And blood would be on the sole of their shoes, so it's almost it's almost like, well, I bought you some prostitute shoes. <laughs> I don't like but they are very, they're sort of like very expensive, haute couturier, yeah. I suppose. Um, I did I did wonder at that point whether that was going to be where she then, you know, kicked him in the eye with them. I was expecting a healing at some yeah, point, yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, I mean that. I mean it then. Like the, I mean, obviously, it sort of circles round to the start of the film, mm. but where it's like, yeah. oh, it's my father's mm. belt, aka Uncle Charlie's mm. preferred murder weapon. I'm wearing my mum's skirt, I'm wearing shoes that he's given me, yeah. Um, my dad's sunglasses, and apparently, that was something else that I saw that came out is that they had they spent ages with the sun, like trying to get the right pair of sunglasses because. They said that they needed a pair that suited all three of the actors. Yeah. Because mm. obviously Uncle Charlie wears them for most of the film, then she ends up with them, and obviously the dad, they were the dads. Yeah. And um, yeah, so they they went through like something like 60 odd pairs of sunglasses trying to find ones that would look good on so everyone. It's funny, 
I wondered about the shoes actually because as they were being unveiled, I thought well, that's a lot of shoes for them to have either made or got hold of. And I was thinking that's probably not that much in comparison to all the other things you have to do for a film. Yeah. But <laughs> seeing that many, you know, it's like yeah, that's quite a lot, and you've got a nice image of it behind you. Well, they also it's interesting because they are all worn. Mm, yeah. You know, they haven't just sold some shoes. All of them are, you know, they they all look used mm. they're old you know and i actually really like that again that's another visual moment that's great is just where they go through that transition yeah mm. the, to, as they get to like younger and younger and younger yeah. and then she's in the sort of horseshoe of shoes laying on her bed yeah yes yeah, fantastic I, I, I think everything about this film was just done right i think mm. it's one of those perfect storms where it all just came together and just work fantastically. As as I said, I'm. I, I think to answer your 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 main question, Lee. I think I would describe it as. I think okay. I could see the argument as to whether this is horror or not. Hmm. But I think that uh, you know any any smart horror fan, which usually just means you're a film fan, would enjoy this. Yeah. And I don't think it has to, you know, it's, it, it certainly, it, it features horrific acts. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It's it shot like a horror film. I think that was the thing that got me. I think the, mm, the whole feel is, yeah, it came to yeah, definitely. like a horror film. Although, obviously you'd say it's, it isn't, it's more of a thriller. The way it was shot and framed, it felt to me like a horror film, which is why I thought we'd shoehorn it in. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, a, a shoehorn of shoes. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that, um, I think that's the, I th yeah, I think it occupies that same sort of grey area that, like, I mean, I've said it loads in the episode, but like Silence of the Lambs, I think it occupies that same grey area. Because yeah. Silence of the Lambs, shot like a horror film, it's a thriller. Yeah. Mm. Really. But, you know, and you have... I mean, really, I mean, Lecter is slightly more monstrous because of cannibalism and stuff like that. But other than that, I don't think it's sort of, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm, well, I'm certainly glad that we've actually watched it. I'm glad we've Absolutely. talked about it as well. Mm. It, uh, yeah. Well done, sir. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, right, so let's discuss uh, before we wrap this up what are we going to cover on our next episode has anybody got any ideas or suggestions well i know this might sound weird i mean obviously like i say i mean i think i think we should cover audition at some point um i think it's probably thematically too close to this to not but like you know, in style, yeah, say to yeah, yeah. most of this to do to do it as the next and one. And we have just done the ring as well, so it's probably and we have just done the ring. It's like yeah, so we don't want to sort of overflow in that. So I wouldn't want to overflow the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! But I and I know this sounds weird. I was sitting there the other day and I was like struggling to get to sleep, and I was like, oh, I've just been a bit down, you know. The world's going to hell in a handcart, and then I suddenly thought. Should we cover Phantom of the Paradise? That's an interesting one. <laughs> As I just thought, I just thought it's utterly unrelated to anything. Yeah. You know, in the sense of 
we don't have to sit there. It's not it's not like when I suggested Pontypool as a kickoff for contagion lockdown. <laughs> you know, I was thinking I was thinking daft. Again, I think we need to do more amicus as well. Yeah. Um, but again, we've just done the beast must die, so maybe not for the very next one. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was that was my that was one of my thoughts anyway. Yeah, no, I'm definitely up for that. I um I've seen it once. I think I think Lady Jennifer and Sharon. Uh, Lady Jennifer was obviously here because she lives here. Um, yeah. but I think we had Sharon over for the evening, and it came up in discussion, and we were like, ah, "It's only eight o'clock. Let's go and put it on." So we went and watched it then. And I think that's the only time I've watched it. So. Yeah, I'd yeah. definitely be up for covering that. It's a bit of a cult classic, and it's it's really weird. It's a cult classic. It's daft as our souls. Um, if you want some context, Chris, um, Phantom of the Paradise is a disco retelling of a glam disco retelling of the Phantom of the Opera. Ah, now would it help if I'd seen Phantom of the Opera? Oh no! You don't have to. You just all okay. you need to know. Phantom of the Opera is you know you know the story of the the masked man backstage at an opera house. I do know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was a masked man. Yeah. And I assumed it was in an opera house. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds like a great idea. Excellent. Well, oh, thought, just, gonna... just just a lovely lump of daft. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> very nicely coloured as well as I remember. It's very. It looks. Yeah. It's got like a very um, almost like the Italian look of everything being really yeah. lightly mm. contrasted and yeah, yeah. So it's a nice looking film. It glares. It did remind me though that at one point a long time ago I wanted to watch Young Frankenstein. Yes, uh -huh. I think is that right? That's the comedy one, yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. Well, let's yeah. chuck that on the list for them for the following week. If that sounds good to everyone, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that'd be a nice round sort of way, because at the moment, like I say, I think things have just got to such a. Uh, I mean, by the time this comes out, we could all be spinning on a, a, a you know, on an alternate axis, <laughs> while while invaders from Mars are sending missiles, and still they come, <laughs> um, all over our faces. And yeah, so as as things are getting progressively worse, I think we need I think we need to get progressively absurd yeah. to combat that that grimness. Yeah. So even if people even if people are like there, you know, it's like oh, what 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 film are you doing this way? Phantom of the Paradise. Anyone who's not seen that, and certainly Young Fucking Frankenstein. If you've never seen Young Frankenstein, that is that is both a shame. And a mark against you, yeah. I suppose. Oh dear. No, I think just genuinely. I, I think for your own benefit. It's like, you know, I can't help you to help yourself if you don't watch Young Frankenstein, you see? Not, right. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Right, in that case, so we've all picked a daft movie. So our next three movies, we're going to have Phantom of the Paradise, yep. followed by Young Frankenstein. Yep. Followed by Dude Bro Party Massacre 3. Fair enough. I yes. Think that's yeah, we shall get progressively stupid. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, take, um, that, take that serious world and your big newses. 
<laughs> Excellent. Right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Um, go and check out Stoker if you haven't already. Uh, then we've just spoiled the shit out of it for you. But it's still <laughs> worth watching because it's lovely to watch. Yes. Not, it's not nice, but it's, it's a nice watch. It is, it is incredible to watch. Yeah. I think that's mm. the thing. It's just so, yeah, just so lovely. But yeah. Fantastic. Uh, don't forget to send us your hashtag Ask Welcome to Horror Questions. We haven't had any in a couple of months and I might stop asking soon, but we'll see what happens. Um, uh, yeah, don't forget to comment below. Don't forget to go and listen to Not For Everyone podcast. Um, yes. They are having a bit of trouble getting together to record um, as are we all. So their episodes aren't quite as frequent as normal. and We are missing them massively, but yeah. yeah but, They've got a good backlog as well, so you've got plenty of episodes to go back through. Definitely. Yeah. And other than that, thanks very much for listening and good night. Good night. Thanks, everyone. Good night.